Well, one can understand why the woke mob doesn't uh, cut and run from their agenda. They're wedded to it. They're sick. They're demented. And uh, movements have largely been taken over by uber-leftists, Marxists, communists, etc., as is always the case. But what is with these woke corporations that seem to feel that they have to cater to these <clears throat> woke radicals? When are they going to learn their lesson? Because I'm going to give you three shining examples where they're getting their clock cleaned and getting their head handed to them and getting taken to the cleaners. You want to stop woke? Stop corporations from yielding to woke. You want to stop corporations from yielding to woke? Boycott them. If you don't think it works, just ask Bud Light or Anheuser-Busch uh, or lately Ben and Jerry's, or soon-to-be Target. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of three easy ways. Well, two easy ways, really, depending which device you use. <clears throat> you're either using Android or using iPhone. You can either use the native podcast aggregator app on either of those two devices and search out the Jamie Dury Show podcast, either in the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store. Or you can download the free Podbean app on either of those devices. Search out the Jamie Dury Show on Podbean, which is our hosting service. It hosts many podcasts. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you can watch the show that way. Either way you listen to the show, either way you subscribe to the show, you can leave reviews, you can leave comments. We need plenty more of both. The more we get, the faster the show will grow. So we please ask you to give us a five-star review. And don't just give us a five-star review. If you can make a, even a one-sentence paragraph, uh, a one-sentence comment, rather, if you want to do a paragraph, that's better, uh, that will help us to grow the show because it, it causes the show to come up higher in searches in the app so when people are looking for content like we provide. So we greatly uh, would appreciate you doing that. We would also great, greatly appreciate you telling your friends about us and sharing the show. Uh, that would help us. And as always, if you have a question, a concern, uh, a show that you would like to suggest a topic for, you can always email me directly at jamiedury1776 at gmail.com. So, you're all by now aware of what happened when Bud Light made its ill-fated partnership with uh, Social Influencer. I don't even know how they come up with these titles. Social Influencer, or tra in this case, Transgender Influencer, Dylan Mulvaney. Now, Dylan Mulvaney has since finally come out and made a statement, and she's really pissed off at Anheuser-Busch for not standing by her, him, it, whatever the hell it is. Um, <clears throat> look, this was ludicrous from Jump Street. This was Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, Budweiser, was one of the most popular beers in this country. It was like an all-American beer. And the Anheuser-Busch family uh, either produces imports or markets so many beers you have no idea even hogarten which i used to like to drink i'm not a big beer drinker but hogarten was very good i no longer drink it 
Now, much of the boycott has just been focused on the Bud Light brand, but among Republicans who have defected from Bud Light uh, in greater numbers than uh, Democrats or liberals, that boycott is extending across the Anheuser-Busch family. And you can see, I mean, Bud Light was one of the top beers in the country. It is now ranked 15th in the list of most popular beers in the United States during the second quarter. That would be April, May, and June, according to a recent poll. Uh, In the second quarter of 2022, Bud Light had been ranked ninth. So that's a drop of six spots. In a recent poll, only 42% of respondents said they liked Bud Light, tying tying the brand with brands like Miller Lite, Miller Genuine Draft, and Pabst Blue Ribbon, which also received the same popularity score. Now, Pabst was a great um, brand years ago, but I didn't think it was that popular anymore, but apparently it is. Among men, Bud Light was ranked 13th. Among women, Bud Light ranked 17th, so overall it gave him 15th. Now, what do you think the top three spots were? Top three spots were taken by Guinness, Corona, and Heineken, all of which scored in excess of 50% in popularity. Now, all of this has been visited on Bud Light because they decided to partner with Dylan Mulvaney. And I don't know if we're ever going to get the real story. They want us to believe it was this woman, this um, less than top um, tier executive in, in marketing who made this decision to partner with Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, she now isn't really been fired, but she's like been frozen out. A couple of other people have gotten the axe. Um, somebody really didn't think this through. This was stupid. But this was one of the first of several that I'm going to speak about today in the way of consumer boycotts to show you Just what kind of power and influence you as consumers have in pushing back against this woke agenda. Now, those of you who are regular listeners of the show may recall that last year I had done a show uh, approaching this from a marketing perspective, speaking about all of these commercials that you see on television and how almost every couple is an interracial, uh, interracial couple, a same-sex couple. Uh, you don't see same-race couples anymore uh, of different sexes. Like, you don't see uh, a legitimate black couple or Hispanic couple or a white couple. You certainly don't see many white couples anymore. You see all this smorgasbord of mixes. Now, look. I don't criticize any of that. Uh, When I was a young man, I dated women uh, of all races. I'm not prejudiced in any way, and I would never tell anyone that they can't marry outside their race or they can't love outside their race or even outside their, their gender. I would never tell you that. I'm bringing it up, and I brought it up last year in the show, because when companies go to sell something, if you go to get investors in a product or something like that, the first thing they ask you is, who's your customer? 
Well, they, first they ask you, of course, what your product is. Who's your customer and why are you uniquely positioned to sell this product? Now, let's not go that part about why you're uniquely positioned to sell the product. Let's just stick with the customer. When you market a product, you have to know who you're selling it to. Now, we see these commercials made for all manner of products, cars, uh, laundry detergents, uh, media stuff, life insurance, you name it. And you see these interracial couples or same-sex couples. It seems to me if you're going to invest the money to market, you're going to market to the people you intend to sell to. Now, I can't believe that these companies are intending to sell primarily to the people they depict in their commercials. And why? I don't have the numbers off the top of my head because I I had them when I researched the original show. But I'll just speak ballpark here. If you recall, there was something on the order of 65 or, or 70 million married couples or relationships in the United States. The overwhelming majority of those relationships were between men and women of the same race, like 63 million or something. And then you had interracial couples of uh, African-American men or women with um, white men or women, and then white men with Hispanic women or white women with Hispanic men and so forth. You had a variety of of uh, mixtures, Asian and Caucasian, Asian and non-Caucasian. But the bottom line is the overwhelming majority of these relationships were same sex, same race. So why are we marketing to people that really don't exist in the numbers that we need to sell these products? Well, it's obviously not being done because of marketing. It's because these companies have been intimidated by these woke mobs into engaging in these sort of campaigns. And I don't know that that's serving them well in selling their product. But these boycotts that have come out against Bud Light and Ben and & Jerry's, which we'll get to in a moment, and now it looks like Target's in the mix, they're proving the effectiveness of what the consumer can do when it exercises its power collectively, the consumer segment, against a company that's pursuing policies or social agendas that they disagree with. Bud Light has really, really taken a hit. For the the brand's negative score, the negative buzz score, uh, surged by 45 points among Republicans with loyalty declining by 31 points and appeal falling by 18 points. For the week, I'm reading from a great article here, from the week ending June 24th, Bud Light sales had declined by 28% while competitors saw a jump in sales, according to data from Bump Williams Consulting. Sales of Yingling Lager rose by 20%, Coors Light rose by 19%, and Miller Light by 16%. The tracking firm Circana estimated that this decline represented a $26.3 million sales loss for Bud Light compared to a year back. And that's to say nothing of what the shareholders have lost by way of stock value declining. They've lost a ton as the stock has plummeted. Now, the reason why it's only declined by 28%, this boycott is now several months old. 
uh, I found out from a friend of mine who's in the beer distribution business that many of these supermarkets and stores that sell the product, they engage in three-month buys or three-month marketing agreements with the suppliers. So many of these people had just signed their three-month supply. It probably goes by quarterly. They've signed their deal just prior to this Dylan Mulvaney catastrophe. So they really couldn't get out of it. But nevertheless, sales are down. So many of these markets are buying, but um, they're not selling. And they're going to have to wind up returning this stuff or something because they're not going to take the, uh, take the hit for it. Once this quarter now is over, it should be interesting to see if in the third quarter Bud Light launches a comeback or whether it continues to decline. I think it's going to continue to decline. Um, this Dylan Mulvaney, I, I just don't, can't for the life of me fathom why they thought. This woman said she thought that the country needed to be rebranded to be more inclusive. Why does it have to be more inclusive? You have a brand. It's an all-American brand. You got the Clydesdale horses. You got the Bud Light. You're at the Super Bowl. It spells out America. I don't think America is all about transgenders. They represent 300,000 people in a country of 330 million. They're hardly uh, a big number. Why are we bending over backwards for these people? Uh, Some experts, according to this article, see the ongoing rejection of Bud Light to have a long-term effect on the company's financials. Surprise, surprise. I've been saying that. In a research note last month, Deutsche Bank, its analyst Mitch Collette, said that the Bud Light maker, Anheuser-Busch, would suffer a permanent reduction in its U.S. business given the recent underperformance, according to Barron's. Colette pointed out that 24% of Bud Light's customers no longer buy the beer, while another 18% are buying less. So if you add that collectively, that's 42% of Bud Light customers either not buying or or at least buying less. In mid-May, HSBC had downgraded Anheuser-Busch's stock due to the Bud Light crisis, suggesting there may be deeper problems at the management level, poor management, so forth and so on. So this is one example. Look, and Anheuser-Busch is a big company. They own a lot of things. And look how much they've been hurt in their stock price just because this one beer, this one brand, albeit one of the more popular ones, hitched its cart to the falling star of Dylan Mulvaney. Just gives you an example. Now, Ben and Jerry went and did something very stupid. Over the 4th of July, they came out with a corporate message which said that uh, we should remember on this 4th of July, I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it right in front of me, that America is a stolen country, stolen from indigenous people, and we should begin to give it back. Well, I tell you what there. If you guys at Ben & Jerry's feel that way, you can start the ball rolling. Why don't you just fold up your tents, uh, get rid of your stores, sell that real estate back to the Native Americans, tell them we're ashamed for making all the profit we've made on stolen Native American land, and we're no longer going to do this. So we're going to give it to you, 
and we'll either sell this, we'll either get rid of the stores, demolish them, and give you the land, or maybe we'll just be really magnanimous and just give you the stores and let you market the ice cream and continue to reap the profits. So lead by example, Ben and Jerry's, otherwise shut your hole. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. There was no government here. There was a loose association of tribes, uh, and there was no country, no nation to steal. One of the biggest problems you see, modern-day examples of this, why we were not 100% successful in setting up uh, a modern, pro-West, civilized government in Afghanistan, despite the money we poured into that country in the aftermath of 9-11, is because there was never really a country there to begin with. It was a loose association of tribal uh, units. They didn't have an organized national government. I don't know that they really wanted one. They were primitive people. Uh, and you're trying to foist government on them. Same thing with the with the Indian nations, you had different tribes. You had many of the powerful tribes in the East. You had the Sioux, uh, the Midwest. You had the Cherokee, the Apache in the American Southwest, the Iroquois in New York, the Algonquins, the Ottawas and the Chippewa. There were so many tribes, the Pawnee, the Crow, many Native American tribes. There was no America. That was something that Europeans brought here with civilization and with laws. So this notion that we're going to give back America to the Indians is a little bit ridiculous. This is the nature of history. This is the nature of how things progress. So what happened with Ben & Jerry's? Ben & Jerry's, which is owned by Unilever, lost $2 billion in market capitalization as a result of calls to boycott Ben & Jerry's ice cream after the company posted a 4th of July message saying that the United States should hand Mount... Oh, look at this audio. I didn't, I didn't realize this. Should hand Mount Rushmore over to Native Americans. <laughs> Shares of Unilever, the Anglo-Dutch multinational company, dropped 0.5% on Friday, 8 tenths of a percent on Thursday, and 05 the previous day. It's not clear if the drop was due to calls to boycott Ben & Jerry's, which has been owned by Unilever since 2000. It all started when the ice cream company, which is based in Vermont, which is probably why they're out of touch with reality. Anybody who bases a company in an uber-liberal state like Vermont with their tax policy and have um, Bernie Sanders as one of your senators must have a few screws loose. They wrote that, quote, oh, here's the quote. Okay, I got the quote. I, I didn't think it was in this article. I had skimmed it before the show, but here it says right here. This 4th of July, it's high time we recognize that the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. So I reiterate what I said before. Start with you. You start returning it. And before it posted a link to a, uh, a blog post asserting that the United States hand back the national monument with the four presidents to the tribal assets. So even before it made this statement, it posted a link in a blog asserting that we have to hand back Mount Rushmore. Quote, and they dig themselves deeper, the faces on Mount Rushmore are the faces of men who actively worked to destroy indigenous cultures and ways of life to deny indigenous people their basic rights. 
I don't know that George Washington actively worked to destroy indigenous cultures and ways of life. I don't know that Abraham Lincoln actively worked to destroy indigenous cultures and ways of life. For most of Lincoln's presidency, he was preoccupied with trying to preserve the very republic itself, since it was fractured with civil war. And I don't know that Jefferson was actively working to deny indigenous people their basic rights. And certainly Teddy Roosevelt, who was one of the great frontiersmen, uh, I don't think he was trying to deny indigenous people their basic rights. He was a naturalist, and I still protest the American Museum of Natural History for, for taking that great statue of Roosevelt uh, out from the front of the museum. It's con contemptible that they did that, and I'm not forgetting it. Now, a number of people on this platform, uh, including many prominent conservatives, called for a, a, uh, a boycott. John Rich, country singer-songwriter, was one of the men leading the charge. Make at Ben and Jerry's Bud Light again, country singer-songwriter John Rick wrote in response. In other words, John Rich or uh, John Rich, rather, uh, realized how powerful a message was sent to Bud Light by the consumer, and he wanted us to do the same thing with Ben & Jerry's. Uh, responding to several-week-long boycott targeting Bud Light, blah, 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 blah. While Bud Light didn't attack the founding of the United States, the company was panned for producing a can of beer with transgender influence. We know that. Long, quote, long overdue for the Bud Light treatment. You hate the country? Fine. We won't buy your product. All good, wrote another in, in response. When is Ben and Jerry's giving up their land? Jenna Ellis, a former attorney to President Donald Trump, wrote on Twitter. See, like, great minds think alike. So basically, John Rich, one of the many people realizing that this boycott of uh, Bud Light was not only correct and righteous, but very instructive giving people a real-life example of just how much power they can wield with the almighty dollar or the withholding of the almighty dollar, and said that Ben & Jerry's now deserves the same kind of treatment. Several newspapers, like the New York Post and the Washington Examiner, too, also called for a consumer boycott after the Post on Twitter. Quote, The brand-backed bad joke Occupy Wall Street, for crying out loud, it aligns with the anti-Israel BDS movement. Co-founder Ben Cohen funds groups opposed to U.S. military aid to Ukraine, the New York Post editorial wrote before calling for a boycott of the ice cream company. Remember, America, you don't have to accept woke preening from corporate elites. Speak up with your wallets. That's right. I've been saying it all along. The Washington Examiner said it may be fun to imagine, but of course Ben & Jerry's will never actually give back the land its corporate office sits on, it will simply exert pressure on others to give up their land. It's now Americans' job to try and turn the tide against the company, the paper said. I mean, it's glad to see, I'm glad to see people finally waking up. This, you, don't, you don't have to sit back and take this woke nonsense. I wasn't even planning on doing a show today. It's Saturday. Usually I kicked back a little bit on Saturday. I, I signed off when I did my show yesterday. But when I woke up this morning and read the paper and I saw these stories, I said, you know, I really ought to bang out a, a podcast real quick, just off the cuff, and to let people know that 
these issues are out there and people are thinking as we do. And in keeping with our observations uh, and our suggestions that um, Ben and Jerry's should lead by example and give back their land, one Native American tribal chief, one Don Stevens, told the New York Post just this past Friday on an interview that he, quote, looks forward to any kind of correspondence with Ben and Jerry's to see how they can better benefit indigenous people, end quote. If Ben and Jerry's is sincere, the company should hand over its Vermont properties to the Kusuk Abenaki Nation. If you look at the Abenaki traditional way of being, we are place-based people. Before recognized tribes in the state, we were the ones who were in this place, said Stevens, claiming that the Abenaki see themselves as stewards of the land. So it should be interesting to see uh, how this shakes out uh, in Ben & Jerry's. Ben & Jerry's not their first brush with left-wing lunacy. Over the years, Ben & Jerry's have taken um, many anti-U.S. and anti-West um, left-wing stances, and they've been critical of um, United States foreign policy efforts, including the decision by many in Washington to provide military aid to Ukraine in the war against Russia. Uh, some years ago, they had even called for a Ben & Jerry's boycott uh, after it refused to sell its ice cream in Israel's West Bank and Gaza Strip, alleging those areas are being occupied by Israel. So they didn't want to sell their ice cream there. So that almost started a boycott. But now, with the uh, advent of social media and the ability of people to organize themselves uh, much more efficiently and effectively uh, with tools like Twitter and the Truth Social, these other social media companies, uh, these boycotts are really starting to sting. In June, Ben & Jerry's announced it wouldn't pay to advertise on Twitter and claimed that hate speech is on the rise across the platform since Elon Musk purchased the company last year. No, hate speech is not on the rise. What you're getting is free speech. See, before it was like you could say anything you want about Donald Trump and people on the right, but we couldn't say anything about people on the left or Joe Biden. And so as far as you're concerned, that was restriction of hate speech. You didn't consider what you were saying about us and about Donald Trump as hate speech because you agreed with it. Well, now you're going to have to get the other half of the equation. You're going to have to hear things said about you that you don't like. So this is very, very interesting. Now, there's another company that's going to come under the thumb of the American uh, consumer, and that is a very, very big company, bigger than Ben & Jerry's, uh, Target. And Target is probably second only to Walmart in terms of that type of store, that scale. But apparently they've rubbed people the wrong way. In an article here in the Times entitled, Republican Attorneys General Warn Target Over Obscene Pride and Satanic Merchandise, Stating the Merchandise May Violate Child Protection Laws. Now I'm going to read most of the article here because it's so well organized. It's not super long and it's very informative and you may not have been aware of this. So I think I'll, I'll read almost directly from the from the article. I'll skip where I think I need to, just to, in the interest of expediency. Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita sent a letter to Target on Wednesday 
warning the corporation that its recent Pride campaign merchandise and donation efforts ran the risk of violating state child protection laws. It also cited concerns about parental rights and neglect of fiduciary duties. State child protection laws penalize the sale or distribution of obscene matter, according to the letter, which includes items with sexual themes and material harmful to minors. Quote, Indiana, as well as other states, have passed laws to protect children from harmful content meant to sexualize them and prohibit gender transitions of children. The Times asked them for a response. No response from Target. Attorney generals from six other states also signed on to this. Tim Griffin from Arkansas, Daniel Cameron of Kentucky, Andrew Bailey of Missouri, Raul Labrador from Idaho, Lynn Fitch of Mississippi, and Alan Wilson of South Carolina. These are states that have this year passed laws, some now in the courts, that prohibit cross-sex hormone and surgery procedures for minors, and the chief legal officers are now sending a signal to corporations that do business in their states to take notice. Now, why do these states go to the trouble of passing these laws to prohibit cross-sex hormone therapy and surgeries for minors? Well, first of all, minors should not be able to elect to get these things without the consent of their parents. And you have other states, like California, that are seeking to pass laws that will allow a therapist to take a child from its parents if the child is 12 or older because the parents won't support or recognize that child's preferred gender choice. This is lunacy, ladies and gentlemen. There have been numerous studies, a very profound one done in the United Kingdom, where they found that a lot of kids go through these identity crises as just part of the maturation process and part of growing up. And over 85% or greater of these kids who are experiencing gender identity conflict have these things spontaneously resolve on their own. That's eight and a half out of 10, and I venture to say it's probably even higher. But let's just assume it's eight and a half out of 10. That means if we listen to the left, every time a kid says, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm a girl trapped in a guy's body. I, I need therapy. Boom! The therapist grabs you takes you from your parents, overrules your parents, and immediately you're placed on cross-sex hormone uh, therapy and maybe scheduled for surgery. You're sending this child who probably within six months or, or a year or less would completely resolve themselves of this without any intervention at all, and you're sending them on an irreversible course that's going to have all manner of psychological procedures and health consequences for them. This is insane. So what is this? contentious merchandise that Target had. The letter that was sent from the Attorney General drew attention to some of the products Target stocked in its Pride Month campaign. One was um, LGBT-themed infant clothing, items specifically sourced from a satanic brand, and the tuck-friendly swimsuits that sparked media coverage and backlash. The attorneys also stated Target support for Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, GLSEN, which trains members to create 
LGBT-related associations in K-12 through schools, uh, that runs the risk of violating parental rights laws in these states. Can you tell me why we need to create LGBT-related associations in K-12 through schools? Do we, do we really? Do we really have to have this in schools? The, um, the GLSEN network training materials encourage members to make gender identity decisions with students without the knowledge of parents. So you can see why these conservative states would say these things violate child protection laws. You have people trying to influence children who are not of legal age to give consent in the absence of their parents, and they're deliberately trying to obfuscate the issue and keep the parents out of it because they know what's going to happen if the parents get wind of it. Quote, The evidence suggests that targets, directors, and officers may be negligent in undertaking the Pride campaign, which negatively affected Target's stock price. Moreover, it may have improperly directed company resources from collateral political or social goals unrelated to the company's and its shareholders' best interests. The Target stock tumbled 17% in the week following the backlash in the wake of its Pride campaign, leading to a three-year low and losses that exceeded $13 billion. Both Citigroup and J.P. Morgan Chase downgraded Target's shares. Now, I want to speak briefly about this um, company interest and shareholder interest. This is something people don't understand. Companies that are publicly traded companies are owned by the shareholders. So when they try and tell you that corporations don't pay income tax, well, they do because the corporation itself may break even. That's because they've paid money to the shareholders. All these things are taxed. When shareholders sell their shares and cash out, they have to pay a tax on the capital gain. If they get a dividend, they have to pay tax on it. You have to pay tax on all these things. There's no free ride. But the point I really want to get at is that the companies are owned by the shareholders. And a company's primary interest, in addition to serving its customers to make a profit, is to promote the interests of the shareholders. There's another term that's used in the stock industry. It's called stakeholders. Stakeholders and shareholders are two different things. Shareholders own the company. Stakeholders are any one of a number of class of people who have an interest, not a financial one necessarily, but an interest in what a company does. Well, what's happening now, that interest uh, is never as strong or as justified as the interest of shareholders. But these woke idiots are trying to use the notion that the interests and the rights of the stakeholders should be not simply on equal footing with those of shareholders, but should exceed those of shareholders. And they can never exceed those of shareholders. And we can never allow it. You'll notice that it isn't the stakeholders who are taking the financial hit when these boycotts uh, take place because of ill-advised courses of action embarked upon by these corporate lunatics. That are, that, are, that are giving way to these woke idiots. It's the shareholders who are taking the hit. 
and the shareholders will wreak their wrath on the CEOs who are making these stupid decisions. Target's pride campaign was decidedly not an example of excellence in retail, the letter continued. It is likely more profitable to sell the type of pride that enshrines the love of the United States. Target's pride campaign alienates, whereas pride in our country unites. Hear, hear. Now, Target, in response to all of this pressure, has begun a flip-flop. Target issued a statement after the backlash, highlighting the fact that it has stocked products celebrating pride for more than 10 years. It cited the reason for removing some items as threats impacting our team members' sense of safety and well-being while at work. The company reiterated its commitment to the LGBTQIA plus community. How many more letters can you fit in these damn acronyms? Is it not long enough? L-G-B-T-Q-I. I don't even know what the hell all of it stands for. I mean, I lose it as, as far as after, after the uh, L-G-B-T-T, I, I'm pretty much done. You know, lesbian, gay, I guess bisexual, transgender. What's with the Q and the I? Mean, it's, just, it's just, it's too much. In response, seven activist groups called on Target to return any removed item, removed items to its stores and online and release a statement in the next 24 hours reaffirming their commitment to the LGBTQ plus community. So look at this. The LGBT community, the uh, TQ, whatever the hell it is, the woke people, they think they're going to threaten Target. Well, I just finished telling you. There's 300,000 of these people, most of whom have a mental illness, in a country, 300,000 transgender. I don't know how many lesbian, gay. First of all, I live in the city of New York. Let's just put this out there. I live in the city of New York. I have a lot of neighbors and friends who are gay, who are lesbian, okay? They're neighbors of of mine. They live on our floor. Uh, They live in other floors in my building. They live in buildings adjacent to me. They are extremely nice people. They're average, run-of-the-mill, day-to-day people. They don't hold with all this nonsense, the protests of people in Pride uh, Week, the gay parade in, in New York. I told you about it last week, saying we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. They are horrified when people Uh, purporting to represent their interests, conduct themselves in such a crude, threatening way. And they don't support any of this. I guarantee you it's not them that's calling up Target and threatening them that they must reaffirm their commitment. They don't have to make any such commitment. Target ended up alienating LGBT groups as well as its core customer base. The attorneys reason that if families are Target's core customer base, ostracizing them suggests the company's board and management have acted against shareholder interests. Quote, those activists aim to advance social goals by exposing Target's valuable customer base, which includes families with young children across the country, to LGBTQIA plus concepts and values. But Target's management has no duty to fill stores with objectionable goods, let alone endorse or feature them in attention-grabbing displays at the behest of radical activists. 
Stores in Louisiana even received bomb threats, allegedly from an LGBTQ activist. We encourage Target to report this unlawful activity and not yield to these threats, the Attorney General wrote. Well, I agree with that. The Attorney General is right. They should report these threats and not yield to it. But I, I think they need to track down the people making these, these threats. Now, this boycott, because it's such a big, big store, got the attention even of conservative radio host Mark Levin. I should be so fortunate as to have the audience that Mark Levin has someday and his level of political acumen. Now, Mark Levin apparently weighed in on this on one of his shows when he announced that Target refused to carry his new book. That's true. He wrote a book called The Democratic Party Hates America. So he didn't really weigh in per se on this whole fiasco with the LGBTQIA plus community. But if, if they weren't in hot water enough with American families by uh, acceding to the demands of these idiots and putting this LGBTQ merchandise on there to begin with, which they now had to remove from the shelves, they only deepened themselves a little further and... Um, alienated themselves further from the American family by refusing to carry Mark's book. Now, this is free speech. If you don't like the book and you don't agree with the book, you don't have to buy the book and you don't have to read the book. But you're going to refuse to carry his book, The Democratic Party Hates America? To say nothing of the fact that truth is a defense, everything about the Democratic Party, the new Democratic Democratic Party, indicates they do hate America. He describes his book as a recount of how the Democratic Party has set out to rewrite history and destroy the foundation of freedom in America. He wrote on Twitter just this past Wednesday that Target was concerned certain customers might be offended by the title. The next day, he reported that Target just informed my publisher that it has reversed course and will be taking my new book in its stores upon its release. Yes, but the damage has already been done. But it just, once again, shows that the power of the purse, the power of the consumer, can change things for the better. And we have to go forward with it. And Mr. Levin believes that market pressure uh, placed on the corporation made them change course. Uh, Several well-known Republicans, some of them in the House of Representatives, Chip Roy from Texas, retired General Michael Flynn, all had made posts in support of Mr. Levin's book and called for a uh, a boycott against Target. Uh, Mr. Levin, quote, said, you folks are an immense force for free speech and market capitalism and conservative authors and audiences everywhere will benefit from your patriotism. I could not be more proud of you, not only for how this specific case turned out, as there will undoubtedly be more of this, but because you've made it clear that you've had enough and will exercise your enormous power. The silent majority is silent no longer. I'll more fully discuss this on radio. God bless, and I thank and salute you all. Hear, hear, Mr. Levin. And so I am echoing that very same sentiment, as many other conservatives are. You do have a voice, and even though you feel like your voice is not being heard or being carried by uh, the mainstream media, You have a voice with your power as consumers, 
and with now social media at your fingertips. You can make a difference. You will make a difference. This country does not have to fall to the left and to freaks and to fringe radical groups who are trying to destroy its very founding and teach our children that it was illegitimate in its founding. Same thing with this Juneteenth holiday and this 16, and especially this 1619 project, trying to let people believe that the American experience, the American Republic was founded in 1619 because of slaves being here. Look, we were British colonies. We were under the British government. Slavery was legal there in those colonies. We made our own country. And we finally abolished slavery here. We're not going to continue to apologize for the past. We should never forget the past. If you forget the past, you're destined to repeat mistakes. But we're not going to retroactively claim the country's illegitimate or it hasn't been the greatest shining light in the history of mankind on this planet simply because you don't like the fact that for a period of time we had slaves. I hate to break the news to you, but if you really want to take the position, you know, all these people who are talking about reparations, these organizations that repute, uh, re, um, not repute, um, purportedly, I should say, represent the interests of African-American descendants in asking for reparations. These same people are the ones that engage in revisionist history and try and tell you that Egypt uh, is really black culture, uh, and they were really black people. So uh, we owe all of our civilization to black people. Okay, uh, we could debate that, whether it's true or not, but let's go with that. Let's say it is true. Well, if that's the case, my friends, then black people were the first slave owners because they enslaved the Israelites, the Levites, all the tribes of Israel, for hundreds of years. So the United States doesn't have a monopoly on slavery. All right. I want a little longer than I wanted to go to today, but there's one more story I wanted to hit before we sign off and let you enjoy the rest of the evening and uh, all day tomorrow. And that is, I did a show earlier this week on this recent Supreme Court decision that ruled against Joe Biden for giving student loans by executive fiat. He cannot do it, should not do it, and was not able to do it because the Supreme Court stopped him. But that's not stopping them. They're trying to go forward with this lunatic as if this is a right. And I criticized this, I roundly denounced it as a matter of fact, quoting from some of these people, these students, like, oh, it's so unfair. I, I wanted to have my share of the American dream. I was going to buy a house. Now I can't buy a house because i got to pay back the loan. Well, hell, you borrowed the money. You borrowed the money. How is it fair that you don't have to pay yours back when everybody else to pay, paid theirs back? How is it fair to the people who didn't go to college because they decided they want to go to a trade school or they had to go out and work or they had to join the military because their financial position was such. And they now have to be responsible for paying back your student loans through their tax dollars because somebody's going to pay it back. 
The banks didn't just give this money away. Somebody's going to have to pay it back. Oh, the government will pay for it. Well, the government has no money. The government only has what it misappropriates from other people. And you have this idiot Education Secretary Miguel Cardona echoing these things. So, real quick article here. I think you should be aware of it. As the Biden administration's plan to erase more than $400 billion in federal student loan debt failed at the U.S. Supreme Court, both Democrats and Republicans are saying they have an answer to help with the looming student loan default crisis. To fulfill his campaign promise, President Joe Biden has pledged that he'll still push through a blanket student debt cancellation, but using a different legal authority to do so. Republican lawmakers are championing what they say is a fiscally responsible targeted alternative. Watch those words. Fiscally responsible targeted alternative. Forgiving $400 billion is not fiscally responsible in any way, shape, or form. Now, the only way it's fiscally responsible is if you're not forgiving, but if you're allowing people a different way of paying it back, but they have to pay it back. Now, Mr. Biden's plan which would forgive up to 10000 in student loan debt for those earning less than one twenty-five, and another ten for Pell Grant recipients. They're going through all this stuff, uh, different ways they're getting about it. They can't do it. They just can't do it. And those of you who are like me know that the Republican Party has not stepped up to the plate on a lot of issues. This is the reason why Donald Trump is doing well. You've got Democrats and Republicans joining forces to try and push forth this bailout of student loan debt. The damn Republicans haven't learned how to win since Ronald Reagan was president. We need to get rid of all of these people. The problem with Washington, ladies and gentlemen, is Washington. It's the people that are there. Almost to a man, almost to a woman. They're as worthless as yellow snow. They're as worthless as yellow snow. And if we don't get Donald Trump back in there, if we don't get someone who's going to have the, the wherewithal and the chutzpah to force through term limits and get these people out of here, we will lose this country because there is no one else that's going to stand up and fight for it like he will. I'm not saying DeSantis is a bad man, but he just doesn't have what Trump has. His time will come, but it's not now. Now it's time for us to take off. For the Jamie Dury Show podcast, I'm Jamie Dury. <laughs>